Welcome to the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast, the show where brilliant professionals share how to sharpen the universal skills required to flourish at work. Enjoy more career fun, wins, meaning, and money with your host, Pete Mikaitis. Hello, and thanks so much for joining us for episode 66 of the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. And as you may have guessed, I'm super excited to share with you my next guest. It is Patrick Galvin. And if you've ever struggled a little bit thinking about networking, relationship building, maintaining, tending, improving, enhancing, this guy has got some excellent perspective on making that happen. So you're going to learn one, approaches to asking great questions for relationship building. Two, an overlooked social media tool that can epically enrich your network. And three, the benefits of developing a methodology of gratitude. So if you want to check out the show notes, the transcript, the links to things mentioned, you'll find that over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash F66. Or if you would just like those takeaways all the faster in an email you can read in under two minutes, sign up for the Gold Nugget email list over at awesomeatyourjob.com. And you'll get the wisdom from Patrick and the 65 guests before him and the many to come after him in a very quick format. So here is the skinny on Patrick. Patrick Galvin is the chief galvanizer of the Galvanizing Group. He's a dynamic speaker and business coach who galvanizes audiences and inspires people to achieve big goals. He has received accolades for his speaking presentations to companies and associations in the U.S., Canada, Latin America, and Europe, covering a variety of marketing-related topics. He's the author of The Connector's Way, a story about building business one relationship at a time. Patrick teaches business professionals how to succeed using simple yet effective ways to cultivate relationships in the real world and online. Here's Patrick. Patrick, thanks so much for joining us here on the How to Be Awesome at Your Job podcast. Thank you, Pete. Looking forward to it. Oh, yes. Well, I've been looking forward to this as well. And it was it was Andrea who who connected us. And it's fun. We're talking about networking. So networking in action. Absolutely. Andrea Waltz. Oh, that's the one. That's right. She was so fun. We talked about going for no in episode 16, which has some uh, networking implications, uh, as well as just general kind of sales and uh, aspiring to do more than maybe you thought you could. So that was a great episode too. So everyone check that one out. So, so tell us, Patrick, you have a, a fun name for your company, the Galvanizing Group, and you are the, the chief galvanizer. What does all that mean? Well, my last name is Galvin, so you can see I'm highly creative. I'm sticking yeah. with the theme. And galvanize is a fantastic word because it also means to spark and to stir into action. And whether we're helping clients with brand strategy, whether we're helping them communicate with social media or with their ongoing customer communications, newsletters, what have you, we want to spark them to a higher level. And when I work with individuals and speak to individuals, I'm also trying to create that spark. Mm-hmm. Okay, fun. So when you say a spark, you're talking about you know, what, what are the implications and connotations of a spark? I'm thinking like you've got some some energy. What do you mean by that spark? Yeah, so to spark them with, uh, oftentimes I like to use the, the analogy of the outsider's eyes. So when I talk to somebody, whether it's a business, uh, people in a business, or just an individual, sometimes we perceive things about the other that they don't perceive in themselves. So clarifying what that is in my mind, giving them ideas based on my take, based on the, the feedback that I get with that person, that allows me to provide them with some insights that oftentimes we forget about when we're just looking at the outside and not looking so much at the inside. Oh, interesting. And could you maybe give us an example or, or story or case to bring that to life a bit? Well, you know, a lot of times people will say, well, 
if you can help us just get this coverage in, 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 in this particular media outlet, that would be success for us. So we have that PR wing to our company. And oftentimes, they have a great message that they want to get out there into the world, but it's a singular message. And then you look at their website or you look at their social media, and it's not congruent with that idea that they want to pitch out to the wider world. Mm. So oftentimes what we're going to do is not just spark a single thing, but really create sparks inside their organization that are going to get them to be more congruent. Okay. Very good. Very good. And so so now you've got a bit of a story when it comes to getting these sparks going. It's a, a kind of a business fable style. It's called The Connector's Way, a story about building business one relationship at a time. So thanks so much for, for sending a copy my way and, and signing it. That was a nice touch. So what's the scoop here? What's uh, some of the takeaways we should be gleaning from this one? Well, I am such a huge fan of relationship building as the way to drive business. And it's funny, I'm being interviewed as the relationship guy. And I'll tell you, I learned the lesson the hard way. Uh, I have an MBA in marketing. I thought when I got out of school, I had all the answers in terms of how to get attention for a company, work for a couple of businesses, and I joined my family's business. And then I went on a wild spending spree buying radio here, TV there, newspapers. It was for a furniture business. And I ran through in my first year in the family business about a quarter of a million dollars. And I was waiting for, yeah, a lot of money, waiting for uh, all of this new traffic to come in as a result of all this fantastic advertising and crickets. You know, not much Mm. happened. I was completely frustrated by the experience. I wanted to blame the advertising agency, give us better creative. We would have had better results, put us in different channels, would have had better results. Could have tested out, didn't have any money to uh, throw at the wall anymore. And then started to talk to friends, uh, first in the furniture world, then in a lot of other companies uh, that I knew through uh, the entrepreneurs organization. And there was this universal feeling that people were just throwing money, um, hoping it would stick with a traditional marketing type outreach through advertising. But when people really dug into it, when I dug into my own customer base at the time, I discovered the vast majority of people who bought from us were people who had bought from us before or they were being referred to us by happy customers. And that totally shifted my thinking about how do we build stronger relationships. In fact, I loved it so much that I decided this is really what I want to focus my energy on. So 12 years ago, I decided to start the Galvanizing Group with that focus of helping companies grow through relationship and also helping individuals, whether it's a solopreneur, whether it's a big company. If you go the relationship approach, (laughs) it's so much cheaper than uh, advertising and so much more effective and sustainable over time. Well, that, that's so intriguing. And so I'm thinking that it's fun. My, my own little entrepreneurial desires want to ask all kinds about business building questions, but I'm trying to focus it a bit for the, for the professional who is kind of building their own, you know, reputation. And there's some loyalty and referrals and, and, and things that kind of carry over uh, in that way. So I guess I'm wondering in practice then, if, if someone is, is parting with money and they're hiring you and your team to, to do some things for them and you're not buying them TV, billboard, radio, Facebook ads, what does that translation of, of dollars into activities and service look like? Well, you know, a lot of times it's really talking to our customers and whether it's a company or whether it's an individual, because I, I do coach a lot of solopreneurs out there, is really getting them to shift their thinking from trying to sell to trying to establish relationship. So instead of trying to extract some monetary value out of each relationship, figure out first what you can give to others. There's a great speaker who just passed away a couple of years ago. He's in his 90s, Zig Ziglar, who said, oh, yeah. you can get anything you want in life by helping others get what they want. And 
I think this is one of the wisest pieces of wisdom, whether you're thinking about it from your own standpoint or thinking about it from your company's standpoint. When you do something that people aren't necessarily expecting, but you're doing it to serve them, whether it comes from that person or the next person who's impressed by that, ultimately you're building the bridges that are going to turn into a better career, a better company in terms of your success. And it's just, it's a, it's a mind shift. It doesn't cost a lot of money and it just seems like, well, how effective can that be? But when you start translating that across an organization, there's many, many successful case studies of companies that have done an excellent job, you know, working with their employees to develop that mindset. And they're so much more successful than the competition. So it works on an individual basis. So it works on a, on a, on a much broader business uh, level as well. Okay. So could you give some examples of sort of means by which you can help out and, and start giving and building a good relationship and rapport? The first thing is don't make any assumptions. I think so often we assume that people's needs are the same as ours. Mm. And I think one of, the, one of the best things I've learned from some of my business mentors over the years is you don't have to be the most interesting person in the room. Just be the most interested person in the room. Okay. Ask a lot of questions. Show curiosity. Show a desire to grow. And I think this is very applicable to your audience, Pete, because I mean, a lot of people think, well, you know, I'm out of school. I'm not, I haven't been in the workforce as long as you know, some of the other people here at this organization. So many people are trying to impress others. But if you just honestly take interest in others and ask a lot of questions, and through those questions, you figure out how you can be of service to these people, your career is just going to go on steroids because so few folks really do that the way they should. Okay. Now that makes sense. That makes sense. So what are are some of the the key questions or behaviors that we should sort of step up and take the time to do that convey that level of interest that do get people talking and unveiling the areas we can help? Yeah. So I think you hit the nail on the head by asking questions. So, uh, so often people think, well, I need to have this script of questions. And these are the three questions I'm going to ask. Well, I, I think scripts are bad. So it's going to depend from, from individual to individual. But to really go in there and just ask some curiosity questions, you know, what did you, you do? You know, how did you get into that? What do you love most about what you do? So these are not yes, no answers. These are ones that really dive into someone's passion for what it is that they do. And I think some folks who are really good listeners then will follow up on, you know, those idiosyncratic things that, that, that has, have driven people to pursue that career. And further ask questions, but too many people feel like, well, I've asked my three questions. Now it's about me. Uh, and the, uh, the reality is just like you're doing in this podcast, I mean, you're, you're asking the, the follow-up questions and so rarely in networking do people feel comfortable enough to do that. And I think they feel like, well, I'm here to network. I'm here for business. But the reality is if you're there for the relationship, the business will be a byproduct of your developing that relationship. Okay. And so I'm, I'm thinking now with that, you're asking these questions, you're showing interest. You know, it's interesting. Sometimes when people are interested in in me, my work, oh, your podcast are tell me about that. Sometimes I'm in the mood to tell them all about it because like, mm-hmm. yeah, the show is so much fun. I talked to so many people. It's like uh, amazing folks have said yes to my request and, and I'm getting pitches from publicists and, and authors and it's so cool. So, you know, sometimes I'm in the mood to really just tell you all about it and just have fun and I enjoy them being interested and we form a connection as a result. And other times... I'm just not really interested in saying a whole lot. And, well, I, I, and when I they totally ask more questions, I kind of don't like it. So any pro tips on, on reading the room and, and playing that game well? 
Well, I remember, actually, this is a great story because when we were starting our business, we didn't have a marketing budget. So I was doing the Chamber of Commerce thing, going out meeting people. And I remember one of the first people I met, my first Chamber Mixer, he was standing back in the corner, didn't look very happy to be there. Pro tip uh, number one, if you see someone standing back in the room, not engaging, if you engage that person chances are they're going to be thrilled because it might be an introvert who just doesn't want to engage. The very first thing he said to me was, I hate mixers. <laughs> and I said, well, well, what would you rather be doing? And immediately he said, reading a book. And I said, well, what book? And it turned out he was an English major from UC Berkeley, just graduated. He was the banquet manager for this large hotel where the event was being held. And we had a conversation for 15 minutes on his favorite books. It had nothing to do with business. He really was a very well-read guy, had some interesting opinions. And at the end of the conversation, he said, by the way, what is it that you do? And I explained what my company did. He said, oh, that's so interesting. You know, right now we're looking at our outbound communications. We're looking at maybe having a PR agency work with us. My boss was saying, if I knew anyone, I didn't, but now I do. Would you mind if I recommended you? And it turned out that that was our first major client. At a networking event from someone who didn't want to talk about business, he wanted to talk about books. So just run with what that person is interested in and don't worry about will this result in business because you just never know. Mm, okay, that's so good. Well, so now I'm thinking if we're zooming in to uh, inside an office environment and, you know, we have internal customers there in terms of, you know, other teams that we're working with or, or folks we're providing deliverables to of, of, of one sort or another. So uh, can you share what are some crossover uh, principles and practices that apply sort of with internal customers? Well, I, I think so many people, especially I remember this from my early career days of you know, working with some folks who really wanted to take credit for success. And I remember working for the city of Los Angeles. So I was in an environment with tens of thousands of employees. There were some of my coworkers who were more concerned about taking a very public uh, raising their hand when something good happened that we were doing as a department. Now, of course, they weren't raising when something bad was happening, but one of my best colleagues at this job was happy to help me succeed and happy to help others succeed. And it turns out that he was promoted much faster than the, than the hand raisers because the upper echelons of this department said, you know, here's a guy who's looking at the team, not at himself. And the word got out. It was very clear that just it wasn't circumstantial that the more successful projects, this guy was on that team and he was really a team player and a team builder as opposed to the person wanting to just uh, do the PR for himself or herself and take the credit for it. So I think it's really serving others without consideration of how you will benefit because ultimately there's a big reward for that. Mm-hmm. Now, we heard some some great tips along those lines in episode 19 from Arel Moody on the uh, Art of Likeability show, which is really cool. So I'm curious then. I'm going to listen to that. That sounds great. He offered a few tips such as, hey, if you're going to go eat simple things, like if you're going to the kitchen, getting a cup of water, just bring back two. Just give one to someone else. Bring back an extra cup of coffee. I'm curious, you talk about being a team player, which sounds swell. And part of it is just um, not uh, always, I guess, thinking about yourself or or doing blatantly self-serving things, but rather uh, taking on things that are are handy to others. Uh, What are some other kind of uh, specific behaviors that gets the word going that, wow, that guy really hooked us up or he really did behave in a team player-like fashion? Yeah, I had one colleague that was really good about mixing up who he went, went out with for lunch. So the typical thing at this office environment was you kind of would hang with your crowd. And there was one guy there who would always invite new people to lunch. So mm. he would just kind of hang out one-on-one. So he was building rapport. 
in one of the best ways, especially now when we're so distracted by you know, all of our digital tools. I think lunch is one of the most forgotten opportunities in, in today's workforce. I mean, you probably can't do it every day because you're hard-pressed, but when you can, instead of going out with that person you know and like so well, why not mix it up and talk to someone on a, a team that you haven't worked with or someone on, a, on another floor? I, I think that we have an opportunity. Keith Ferrazzi wrote a great book called Never Eat Alone. Mm-hmm. And in it, that's his main core concept is, you know, always be intermingling with people who are folks you don't know so well. And over time, that's going to help you out a lot. And that has been something I've been doing quite a bit. And it's been fantastic. Oh, very good. Yeah. And another point is that when you're working with with companies, you sort of help them kind of zero in on and articulate sort of what makes them unique or special or differentiated. I'd love to get your take on how do you go about thinking about that on an individual scale? So I, I guess some people use the term uh, personal branding or, or whatnot, but I'm thinking, you know, what are some means that uh, individual professionals can use to, to zero in on what makes them unique, competitive, valuable, and focus on those sorts of things? Well, I just think thinking a little bit differently from others and how you can serve the people you work with. So for instance, over 90% of all recommendations on LinkedIn are there because that person uh, has reached out to their network saying, boy, I'm working on my social media and I know LinkedIn's important. Would you recommend me? Well, what if you had a coworker who you just think is fantastic and really it's from the heart, you believe in that person? What if you just took it upon yourself to recommend them on LinkedIn? You can connect with them once they're connected to you. You just go to their little profile picture, pull down that bar that says recommend and spontaneously write a recommendation. It'll take you all of about five minutes. Mm-hmm. That will mean the world to the person who received it because they got something from you that probably they haven't gotten from somebody else or maybe just a couple. And you're calling them out for the good things that they do. And this is a very simple practice. If that's all you did on social media, that you spent, spent five minutes a month doing that, I think you would get much better traction than spending hours on Facebook or Pinterest or Instagram or other platforms in which you're trying to display how great you are by that cool selfie and the, the pouty lips or what have you. <laughs> Going into social media, figuring out how can I be of service to others? I mean, it's just, it absolutely works because it's fairly rare. Oh, that's funny. The, the pouty lips got me laughing because, <laughs> you know, my fiance, I don't know where she learned it, but we keep, we have this joke. We play again and again that someone said if, if for the, for the duck lip face skinnying technique, the, tr- you, the trick is to say the word prune such that your lips you. extend prune. <laughs> yes. I guess this is a national meme. I heard that just recently. So that is that is out in the universe. So so I, I so it's so funny. Now I'm going to be thinking about you every time we do the prune joke. Because like we could be getting so much farther, not saying prune, but instead uh, writing <laughs> recommendations for other people on LinkedIn. That's so good, and that that makes great sense. And what it's what's really fun about that is you know we heard previously from Michelle Gielen about broadcasting happiness and one of the most uh, effective kind of simple practices you can do to boost your happiness is to make it a habit to be of service and do a quick little thing for someone sort of each day. And that might be an introduction. It could just be a thank you so much. This is what you mean to me. And and I like this because this could also fit in right in the morning as you're handling emails or whatever in under five minutes that counts as an act of service and and generosity and gratitude. And absolutely, it is 
completely um, appreciated. I, I did this, and I'll be honest with you, I did it to get a PowerPoint slide. So I, I wanted to do a presentation on you know, how we could be of service to others. So I said, boy, I don't have a picture of what that recommendation letter looks like on LinkedIn. So I better write one. And uh-huh. I wrote it for someone who I absolutely think the world of and hit recommend. Within 15 minutes, I got a phone call saying, wow, Patrick, thank you so much. You're the first one who's ever done that without my asking. Within a month, I had gotten a referral from him for a really nice piece of business. And I would not like to think it's a quid pro quo, but you know, I'm just more top of mind because I did something right. that other people weren't doing for him. So you know, it, I, it does work, but you also feel better about yourself. It's a great way to start the day. Mm, okay. I, I like it. I like it. Well, well hey, what else you got? <laughs> I, I, I love little, little tactics and tips that they're like candy. So it, it, that was awesome. But what, what, what more you got? <laughs> well, I think one of the best things is don't sell necessarily what you sell. There's a friend of mine, the most successful realtor I know in Portland, Oregon, and he loves talking with people about things that have nothing to do with real estate. So I knew that this guy happens to be a snake collector. He's got 90, he had 93 snakes. No way. Get rid of 93 (laughs) snakes. But this guy loves snakes. He goes to snake shows. So I knew about this. And a friend of mine moved into the area. She was an animal assisted therapist looking for a snake to add to the stuff she does out there with kids. And I referred him to her. He loved that. He says, I love having conversations, rapport building conversations about other areas of expertise in real estate because I know that it gives me an opportunity to connect with people on a much deeper level. And once they have that connection with me, well, when it's time for them to to do something in the real estate world, which most people are going to do at some point, they'll call me, they'll think about referring me. And it turned out my friend had just moved into town and was going to be looking for a place to live. Well, he was a snake expert first, and now he's a realtor. So that sort of jump, I think, is something that if we could figure out, well, what is it that we have to offer that's not what we're selling or what we're pushing, but something of greater value, you just will make some connections that will ultimately, at some point in line, really help you out in terms of business. Very nice. Very nice. I know another thing you mentioned is that there are some cool ways that you can do relationship building kind of in tandem, both online and in person, and they kind of mutually reinforce and and strengthen each other. Can you speak a bit to that? Well, you know, one of the things that I think people struggle with is they see, well, there's the face-to-face stuff I do, you know, the networking events and that sort of thing. And then there's the online stuff that's, you know, LinkedIn or Facebook or Pinterest, Instagram, whatever, whatever the platform is. And they view them as separate realities. And I think the real magic and the real successful relationship builders have figured out ways to marry that. So let's use LinkedIn as an example. You now get these notifications that someone in your network is having a birthday, they've been promoted, they've moved to a new company, you know, these significant life events are occurring for them. LinkedIn gives you the default of pressing a button say, which says, say congratulations, they actually fill in the language for you. Right. And that's very easy. It's like taking a piece of candy. Now, if you receive that, it's not that you don't appreciate it. It's nice. But what if that person used the most important feature on their smartphone, which is voice, and picked up the phone and said, oh my God, they finally promoted you. I mean, you've, been, you've been deserving that for five years. They are so lucky that they came to their senses. You know, why don't we go out and celebrate? Why right. don't we meet up for, you know, for drinks? Why don't we get together for lunch? That really is happening. I mean, people think, well, the default, it's, they make it so easy, and this is true for all the social media platforms, they make it so easy to click a like or to send a a comment that's canned, that 
you know, we have all of these communications tools, but we're not really connecting with people. We're not really furthering relationships. And when you take it to a higher level, um, and it doesn't necessarily have to be hard. If you see someone's birthday is coming up next month and you can see that on any social media platform, you can look ahead and see what's coming up. Why not send him a card? I have a realtor friend. He will actually look at all of his clients that he's followed through Facebook. And when he sees that their birthday is coming up, he calls them up and sings happy birthday to them. Mm-hmm. They usually cut him off because he's got a lousy singing voice. <laughs> but he is the only phone call they get. And he says that's done more for his business than any form of electronic communications he's, he, he's tried. So it doesn't cost anything. It just think a little bit different. Think what you would appreciate. I mean, if you follow the golden rule, do unto others as you would have them do unto you, what, what, what would make you feel good? And when you think along those terms, I think all of a sudden you're, you'll come up with ideas to creatively marry what you're doing online with what you do in the real world. Oh, that's fun. Well, I, I would just love some more fun stories along those lines. So happy birthday. I mean, certainly that's, that's fun to hear. And, and it's true. It's like the... It's, it's like the pecking order of, of birthday praise received. So I might collect maybe 200 wall posts saying yes. happy birthday and then maybe 20 text messages. How many cards? And, and then, oh, boy. Well, I'll, I'll probably only family, really. Yeah. So, so what, if, what if somebody who you thought well of, they didn't stand out from the crowd in terms of your connections, just dropped you a card saying, hey, Pete, know your birthday's coming up, thinking about you, wishing you the best for the coming year. That's nice. It's real nice. It would, I think, put them on a different level with you. Mm-hmm. And it's not hard to do. I mean, there's technologies out there. I use a technology that allows me to type on my computer screen or on my smartphone and my own handwriting is in that card. And I could put a picture on the front of myself with that person and press a button. It's all online, but a card is actually mailed on my behalf to that individual. Um, and I can include a gift if I want to. So there's, there's technological ways of helping the process. It looks absolutely personal because it's my handwriting. It's my picture with that person. It's a card in the mail. It's not an e-card. So there's, there's tools out there that allow us to do that. And I really think that that's, that's where you have an opportunity to stand out. Well, now, that's intru- now this photo, though, so it is an actual photo in your collection of photos, like we've been in a photo together and here it is. Sure. Or yeah. it might be a photo that I take from that individual's Facebook wall of them doing something really cool, saying, hey, good to see you. You've been fishing a lot this year. And I'll put that on the front of the card. Happy birthday. So they get a card with their picture fishing, if that's their thing, and does uh, the saying, wishing you a lot of good catches in the coming year. Totally mm. custom. Totally in their world. That works great too if you don't have any pictures with that person. Oh, that is fun. And so, well, what is the name of the tool? It's a company uh, called Send Out Cards and I've been using it for seven years. Love it. What's really cool is, you know, what's old is new again. I got to use the voice on your smartphone, send out a card. I mean, you're, some, some people might be thinking, wow, this guy's totally analog. No, no, not at all. I mean, these are analog tools, but we live in a digital world. The digital world is feeding us so much information, but let's leverage that in sort of the analog ways that work because the good news is no one's using them, so it stands out even more now. Uh, That's great. So now I want to touch base for perhaps the skeptic in terms of they'll say, oh, you know, that could be a waste of time. I don't know if there is sufficient ROI. You know, that sounds like a lot of feel-good, lovey-dovey relationship stuff, but, but really... Isn't it about the credentials, the offering, the, the strength of the value proposition, uh, etc.? So what would you say to the skeptic who thinks that this seems a little bit 
uh, maybe gratuitous, lavish, too much, um, not uh, cost effective as a means of, of achieving a given objective? Well, I love the quote. Uh, and this is from a guy named Bob Berg who wrote another business oh, parable go-giver. called The Go-Giver. And he says, all things being equal, people prefer to do business with and refer business to those who they know, like, and trust. And I could give you some data, but I think more importantly, if people think about how people have come to them, whether it was getting a job, whether it was getting a client, whether it was retaining a client, at the end of the day, are people really buying the product or service or are they buying the individual who provides it? And I speak in a lot of different industries and whether it's insurance or real estate or financial services or law, people will follow the professional, if they leave a firm and go to another firm, they go from one big name real estate company to another, one big name law firm to another. If they have a relationship with that professional, that relationship trumps the organization the professional works for. Mm, that's right. It does happen. Absolutely. So, I mean, it's not touchy-feely. It feels good. If you, and if you look at top performers, and I was talking to um, a, a manager of a Keller Williams, largest real estate company in the country right now, and she was saying that 5% of their realtors sell 95% of the real estate in her office. And we start talking about, well, who are those 5%? And said, you know what? They're the great relationship builders. And the other 95% are cold calling, they're dropping stuff on people's doorsteps, they're buying lists and they're mailing to lists, but they're not cultivating those relationships that result in people coming back to them in that seven-year cycle that the typical person sells or buys a home. And it's not resulting, um, those actions that those ineffective realtors are doing are not resulting in the referrals that relationship builders get. So it's not a nice to have. I think if you're going to be a successful professional, you really have to think about how good I'm, how good am I at relationships and how can I get better? Mm, all right. And so could we have a quick final note perhaps about relationship building for sort of a career management and progression? So I think we, we hit the sales point and promotion point, you know, pretty nicely. I'm thinking also when you're objectives or long-term are more so in the kind of individual navigating your career track world. Are there any kind of additional things that you would stress there? Well, there are two, th- two points I don't think that, that I've, I've mentioned. If you are you know, doing things where you're marrying the digital and uh, the, the face-to-face, the analog, the analog and the digital, I'd like to say, you've created a great foundation for uh, growing through relationship, but you also have to let other people know what you need from them, how they can help you succeed. We all are so time-pressed that we have a hard enough time sometimes running our own days. If there's someone in our network who's built a great relationship with us and they say, look, I would love to perhaps work for this company or I think I have a service that might be of interest to them. And they go on LinkedIn and they find that we're connected with them and they ask us to um, introduce them. We're going to be thrilled to do it. I got five requests last year for introductions on LinkedIn. That's, just, that's it, just five. And every single request I made, and I've discovered that the most effective way for me to get in front of a new company is not to Google and try to find out you know, all the details about that company, but find out who I'm in relationship with, who knows somebody at that company. And when I ask them, they always say yes, because I've created a, a network with integrity. And not only will they say, well, you should talk to this person, they're going to say let me reach out to him and introduce you. Now I've gone from having a cold call to a warm call. And whether it's you're selling something or simply wanting to progress in your own career, letting people know how they can help you succeed is a huge help. And then the other thing that I just wanted to add is if you're doing that, just have a really strong methodology of gratitude. 
Because if people are doing something for you, I think one of my biggest pet peeves, and I talk to so many people who share this with me, is not hearing thank you. So make sure that, that you're, you're doing that in an effective way. And Well, I think that's even a fun turn of a phrase, methodology of gratitude, because methodology seems like mm, process, optimized, established, and gratitude's like, oh, in my heart. So yeah, let's hear, what's your methodology? You know, I, I use it because it should be a process, because it should take place every single time. So my preferred means of following up with someone is if they're in my immediate physical environment, um, or if they're in my town, I want to meet with them face to face. I love looking people in the eye and saying thank you. I think that it communicates much more than any form of electronica. And I get referrals and I get introduced to people who are in different cities. I love to just pick up the phone and say, hey, I wanted, I, you know, thank you so much. It's so easy to respond to something by email saying, hey, thanks. I'll follow up with them, let you know what happens. But what if you called that person and said, well, why did you think about recommending or referring me. And you could find out more information from that conversation than you would ever find out from Google because that Mm. person is going to tell you, well, Patrick, I thought this person would be a great connection for you or you really enjoy talking with them or they've had this problem or that problem. Now it allows me to do some thought. And when I reach out to that individual, I go in much more prepared. And when I'm more prepared, I'm going to be more effective. I'm going to be more useful to them. And the chances of success are much greater. So always have the conversation uh, face-to-face or over the phone. And then once again, very old school. I don't take it for granted. I'll, I will do a, a, a card, a card in the mail saying, you know, I really appreciate your thinking about me. You know, it really means the world to me. And it's a methodology in that these are the steps I follow, but it's individualized for that person. Mm-hmm. And it's from the heart. Oh, so good. Well, well, Patrick, you tell me, is there anything else you want to make sure we cover off before shifting gears and talking about some of your favorite things? Uh, no, I'm, I'm good. What great questions. Oh, shucks. Well, all right. Well, let's hear it then. Could you start us off by sharing a favorite quote? Yeah, well, there's, <laughs> so it's hard for me because I've got so many of them, but I'm going to tie these two together because uh, this gets back to my gratitude point, which is silent gratitude is not much use to anybody. Mm. That's Gertrude Stein. Uh, and in spite of that, we live in a world of silent gratitude. And that leads to my next quote, which is Theodore Roosevelt, who said, nobody cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Mm, my favorite professor, Stephen C. Michael, said that many a time. Did he I'm, attribute it to Theodore I'm Roosevelt? I, I don't remember. Yeah. <laughs> how about a favorite study? Is there any sort of experiment or study or, or data you find interesting? You know, there's a group called the Keller Fay Group. It's a market research company. And there was a stat that I saw in a book that they put out a couple of years ago called the Face to Facebook. Not the Facebook, but the Face to Facebook. <laughs> and the stat that they had, and these guys do really very good uh, data work. And they came up with a number that just blew me away, which is there are 2.4 million brand conversations every day in the United States. And by that, they mean, you know, people talking to other people about product services and companies that they like and dislike. And what was fascinating, and it might have changed just a little bit, but even just a few years ago, 92% of these conversations were taking place offline, and only 8% were online. Now, mm. I, I know online's probably jumped up, but when people talk about things, people, products, services, those conversations carry so much weight. Ogilvy, the advertising company, said 84% of all people trust referrals from the people they know. So here we are in this world in which there's this great conversation taking place. And when you really look at what drives decision-making, it's this word of mouth. The trust levels on word of mouth, 84%. Trust levels from just conversations with people they know, 68%, according to Nielsen, from trust in online opinions. And then you start looking at trust in advertising messages, and it drops into the 40s and 50s. Mm -hmm. So really, 
the impact that we make on people is really what carries the water for us, whether it's in our career or whether it's for our companies. And those impressions that we make reverberate on down to the conversations that people have about us. Mm, absolutely. And how about a favorite book? <laughs> you know, uh, I love Go For No, Andrew Waltz's book, who you had on your podcast. And I'll tell you why. Because it is really easy when you're trying to grow a company to just give up sometimes and say, you know, haven't heard back from that person. They must not want me. And when I started, I read that book about five years ago. And once I started putting it into practice, I started seeing that it was usually on my fifth connection with that individual who I thought would be a good business connection where things actually started happening. And before, I would stop oftentimes before that fifth step, that fifth, fifth request. And uh, just constantly looking for those opportunities for rejection. I mean, it sounds so simplistic, but I can give you a personal testimonial that it absolutely works. So now that's so fascinating. So fifth step. So, so you reach out and say, you know, oh, hey, I think our, our service might be helpful for you. And you just hear crickets. And crickets. so you're saying like five repetitions of that is often when things get going. Yeah. Well, and it's not always just saying, Hey, I have this great service. You know, it's not coming up with the same thing, but maybe just finding a better hook. So, you know, setting up a Google news alert for that individual, that company saying, Hey, I just read this thing in the wall street journal that seems to be right on mark with what you're probably facing right now. I thought you'd enjoy it. So it's just looking for a, um, an opportunity to open a conversation. So thinking a little bit more creatively than just hitting them with the same thing, but just realizing that basically people sometimes have to be reminded that you have something of value to them. And sometimes you come at them, not with your service, but with something else that would be of interest to them. Very good. Thank you. And how about a, a favorite habit, a, a personal practice of yours that's really handy? About two years ago, I got into mindfulness meditation and I actually have an app for it. It's called Insight Timer. It's a great uh, meditation app. So you could set it on whatever duration you want. I, I do 10 minutes because that's pretty much all I have time for. But just being able to focus on nothing for 10 minutes a day, and when I'm constantly besieged by messages, it has done wonders for just my own happiness. And it helps me focus much better when I'm done with that on the task at hand. Yeah, you know, I will follow up on that if I may. So sure. you know, we talked with uh, Chris Bailey earlier, who has all these crazy productivity experiments, including having done just hours and hours of meditation a day to see what happened. That was episode 32. So I, I, I'll be also talk to Dan Harris in episode 44 about meditation. So it's a theme. It's popping up a it's lot. It's a theme. Yeah, it's out there in the universe right now. And so I want to know, it, both of them kind of use the metaphor of meditation strengthens your attention muscle. It's like a bicep curl for your brain because you continually bring your attention uh, back to your breath or whatever it is and away mm -hmm. from kind of whatever distracting thoughts pop up. So I want to get your take on if the this muscle metaphor analogy, you said it makes it easier for you to then focus on what you're focusing on afterwards. So you do not find that your attention muscle is fatigued from all the reps you were just doing in meditation? No, it's actually quite the contrary. So when I started meditation, I thought it was one thing and it turned out to be something totally different. So I thought meditation would be, well, reflect on the things that you're grateful for or reflect on all the people that you're wishing good things upon. It was kind of, I don't know, I don't know how I got that conception. But when I started getting into the mindfulness practice of meditation, focus on nothing. <laughs> That's really hard. And that, 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 that I'm still working on it. But when I finish a 10 minute session, and it doesn't take more time than that, where you've pushed all this garbage th th out of your brain, you know, the worries about that particular pitch or the speech that you're giving in the following week, and you can clear out the brain. It's sort of like 
once you clean your house, you feel really good for a few days being in such a nice, clean environment. For me, meditation kind of works that way. You kind of clear the cobwebs out of your brain. And then when it comes back to focusing on a task, it just seems like there's more space in there. Mm, Very cool. Thank you. All right. So now tell us, are there any favorite tools you like to use in terms of gadgets, hardware, software, frameworks, websites? What, What do you find yourself using often? I have a great CRM system that doesn't probably sound too exciting to people, but it allows me to stay on top of my relationships in terms of trackability. Um, I use Zoho CRM, and uh, they are very small to medium business friendly, very robust on their free platform. But it allows me to tweak it and customize it, and I've tried other CRMs and just have not found that flexibility. And as much as I like to build relationships based on rapport and what I know, if I don't have that track somewhere, someone's kids' names or you know significant moments coming up in their life or when I should contact them again, I'm not going to stay on top of it. So Zoho really helps me out there. It's a, it's a really cool tool. Oh, thank you. And how about, is there a particular nugget, a piece that you articulate when it comes to your, your message and your teaching whether, or, and you find that it's often a retweeted or Kindle book highlighted? Is there any sort of gem that seems to pop up again and again for people? You know, I think it's really cutting down to the most simple notion. And it's on the back of my book in big letters. It's one that people have often quoted back to me. And it's great relationships are the difference between success and failure in business. Okay. And it's a simplistic statement. And it will vary according to uh, you know, where you are in your career or what you're trying to do. But at the heart of it, it really comes down to those relationships you're forming. Very good. Thank you. All right. And what would you say would be the best place to find you if folks want to learn more and see what you're up to? The best way is my personal website, which has all my speaking information, the book information, which is Patrick Galvin. That's G-A-L-V-I-N and Patrick with a K dot com. Okay. And do you have a, a favorite challenge or, or parting call to action for those seeking to be more awesome at their jobs? I love Henry Ford's statement, which is whether you think you can or think you can't, you're right. All right. Very good. Patrick, thanks so much for this. And I wish you lots of luck and and lots of of great connections and relationships that are galvanized. And this has been a lot of fun. It's great being connected with you, Pete. All right. Well, you're all excited now to be endorsing the bejesus out of everybody you know on LinkedIn. That's pretty cool. So I hope you enjoy that and the other uh, tips and tricks and perspectives here. And again, if you want to check out the show notes, the transcripts, the items mentioned, that's over at awesomeatyourjob.com slash ep66. And I do hope you'll hit the subscribe button if you haven't already so you won't miss guests like our next one. Joanna Jast has some perspectives on really uh, working with your brain optimally to boost your memory, your focus, your, your learning capacity. So if you're into that sort of thing, please do join us then. Peace. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. To get the most out of this conversation, visit awesomeatyourjob.com to find today's show notes, transcript, and infographic summary cheat sheet. For more entertaining professional skill sharpening, be sure to subscribe to catch the next episode of How to Be Awesome at Your Job. 